it has been a while. If you're listening to this, thank you for waiting so patiently for this episode. Both Kickstarter campaigns for Yellow Album, the main one and the vinyl one, are now finished. They were both successful, and thank you so much if you backed either of them. Many of you backed both, so uh, double thank you. You can still pre-order the album, and if you go to yellowalbum.com, that now redirects to the product page on Hit With Wrench. I promised you 10 episodes, and I'm going to give you 10 episodes. This one is number 8, and it's all about possibly the most controversial High Five Spaceship track, 147. Or is it 148? Find out by listening on. My name is Christopher Bingham, the producer behind High Five Spaceship. And in this series, I break down some of my favorite High Five Spaceship tracks and talk about how they were made. So one of the first things you'll notice about 147 is that it uses the same flute sounds and the same uh, toy piano sound that turns up in Viswa and For God's Sake. I've mentioned previously that I had a lot of fun reusing uh, and rearranging some of the sounds that I used for different tracks. So in a way, a lot of the sounds, a lot of the settings uh, in this track are the same as they were when I first started with them uh, back on For God's Sake. Then they were used in Viswa, then they were used in 147. The flute sound in particular is one that I used a lot on this album. Particularly for this track, I wanted it to feel uncomfortable, uh, unreal, I wanted it to feel kind of like a like you're dazed, like you're in a kind of fugue state, because that uh, was how I felt when I was making it. This mixture of kind of droning, ethereal, fake flute sound with the very abrasive uh, toy piano chime sound and occasional kind of glimmers of light with uh, this uh, organ sound. For me, was just a lovely palette to work with. There are also a couple of other sounds in the scape, one of which I will talk about in detail later. Um, another is that same kind of recurring, uh, I nicknamed it the spaceship sound. There's a kind of high um, distortion that um, pans from left to right. It occurs a lot throughout the album, and for me it's a kind of signifier that no matter where the music takes us, we are still like confined, we're still in this claustrophobic environment of the, um, of the spaceship that our character is on. He can talk to his companion, he can talk to himself. In this instance, he can reminisce uh, on his life, but he can't escape the confines of his situation. 
Uh, so, okay. Okay, so the lyrics. 147 is about my love life. Mine, myself, not fictionalized, not made up. Uh, it's about me. Um, and it's about uh, several points in my life, actually. Each of the verses darts around my life to different relationships. Um, first one when I was uh, 18 and in university. Then it goes back in time uh, in the second verse to uh, when I was uh, around 14, 15. Then it jumps forward to a, a relatively recent one uh, in my 20s. And then uh, ends uh, on maybe the first significant relationship I ever had um, when I was probably about 12. <laughs> and I mean, it's significant in that it was kids experimenting with, with pretending to be romantic. It wasn't, you know, it didn't make the earth shake. But it still is part of what, what shaped me as a person. During the making of this whole album, I was in a really, really bad place. Um, actually, partly to do with chemicals I had, I didn't realize at the time I um, had medication that was uh, affecting me. It was giving me depressive bouts. Um, I was going through phases of um, getting extremely paranoid, extremely uh, introverted. I, I even had panic attacks around this time, which I've never had before or since once I figured it out. Um, I cut the stuff out of my system, and thankfully kind of went back to uh, what is normal for me. I'm uh, blessed to be not prone to that kind of thing. Um, so it was really, really unusual for me, and at the time very, um, actually very scary and very upsetting. And this track was actually made pretty much entirely, uh, apart from an, uh, the, you know, final mix and master, over the course of one evening. From concept to writing to uh, se sequencing it in, to, you know, recording the lyrics. All of it was done in, in one evening over about four hours. Uh, I basically did only one take of the vocals. They're, they're kind of weird and dodgy, and um, my voice sounds kind of strange at times. Um, I just kind of got in my head, I wanted to make a track about my sex life. <laughs> I wanted to make something that uh, pulled no punches and kind of laid it out on the table as a kind of catharsis. And so I decided to focus on these four times in my in my kind of dating life, from being a kid all the way up to being an adult, where I hurt people and I feel regret for that. I wanted to kind of air it out in a in the form of a, of music. It kind of I don't even know because I don't write I don't particularly write lyrics very often. I'm I and I do not consider myself good at them, and I definitely don't rap. Um, so the fact that I, in this weird state of mind, not only wanted to make something so incredibly personal on an album that is ostensibly, like, fiction, right? It's a, it's like allegorical sci-fi, apparently. That's what I'd say it is. But I wanted to make something, like, this one odd track in the middle of it that was, like, just about me and my experiences. And I wanted it to be, like, spoken word, like, rap, pro, like, lyrics... I don't really know what I was thinking, but it just flowed out of me. It just came out onto the page, or, or more precisely, into a note on my phone. And then, uh, and then, yeah, like, I was in the moment. I was, like, ready. I was feeling like I was alone in the house, I think. No one was around, and I just kind of 
oh, I just needed to get it out. So I set up the microphone and I, um, and I did it, I did it straight in and it was horrible, but it was, um, it was truthful. The performance with all of its flaws and with all of its weird pronunciations and stuff really captured how, how kind of brittle and fragile I felt at the time. His heart's in the right place, heart's in the right place. I ate you alive. I ate you alive. So I saved it and I closed it and I kept coming back to it and thinking like, oh, I'll tweak this. And uh, I kept reopening the lyrics and, and trying to make them better because some of it's a bit hacky. Some of it's a bit uh, on the nose. And I um, I kept trying to rewrite it and rewrite it and, and nothing worked. And I, and I, at the very least, I said, well, if I don't change any of the lyrics, at least I'm going to re-record it because that take is bad that take is just very bad isn't it and so i did do like subsequent recordings none of which i'm going to play you because they're even more embarrassing somehow and i just couldn't i couldn't do it and ultimately i i decided that it had this thing i wasn't gonna throw it away because it had something to it but i also it also couldn't be improved it was this snapshot of a moment in time where I felt completely kind of self-loathing in a way that is so unlike me generally that I couldn't I couldn't get back there. I couldn't replicate that combination of, of things. I couldn't recreate that experiment. So all I could do was mix and master the version that I made that night. And that is the version that you hear on the record. So I teased another sound earlier on. Um, that's uh, this kind of like thumpum thumpum uh, drum beat uh, that turns up throughout the track and actually on a couple of other tracks as well, quite quietly. Um, I nicknamed it the heartbeat, and I very deliberately in this track at times have it panning left and right, doing two hits on the left and then on the right. It also arpeggiates quite a lot. It goes in little flutters. And that again is is very um, personal and very representative of the time uh, that I made this uh, album. I was born with congenital heart disease and uh, it doesn't affect me. It's fine. I'm good. I'm real good. I'm going to live a long, happy life. But... At the time, I was experiencing heart palpitations, and I was really, really worried about them, especially with, with all the other stuff going on in my brain. It was just one other thing that was kind of bothering me about my uh, body, uh, that every now and then I would get these kind of flutters, these quite strong heartbeats that um, were distracting. And so I wanted to put them in in that song and, and actually kind of try and do to you, the listener, what they were doing to me, which is kind of pulling you away. That's why they're on the sides. That's why they're kind of moving around and so kinetic in the in the mix is uh, unlike everything else, um, because I wanted them to feel uh, it, it to feel very busy, it to feel very kind of almost stressful 
the number of, of layered up uh, rhythm, rhythmic sounds. I don't get the ectopic heartbeats anymore, um, just so you know. I'm good. I'm good. This, I believe, is the only track other than the last one on the album that has a fade out. It slowly fades out, and then we get a little snippet of the talking that runs throughout the album between me and Briley, my character and Briley's. I know what you're thinking of doing, and you shouldn't. Yeah. Your job is to look after the past. Not like this. Not everything. It's not supposed to be this clear. I wanted to line it up. I had this script for what we had recorded already, and I wanted very deliberately to line this one up with the particular bit of dialogue that happens at the end. We're talking about preserving the past, and I ultimately say that it's not supposed to be this clear. And that that whole little section of the discussion, it has greater ramifications for the album, um, for the kind of themes of the album, but connected to this track particularly. I, for me, it is also about um, wanting to move on, wanting to kind of improve and change as a person, but feeling kind of uh, tied to things that you are guilty about or, or um, regretful of. When, you know, your memories of these, these things, these kind of instances where you've hurt someone or you've been a bad person in your eyes are so kind of vivid and so stuck in your mind, how can you ever outrun them? How can you ever fully, like, become a new person? when you're bogged down with all of that stuff. This has been a very heavy episode, I apologize, um, but just to leave it on a, a fun fact, the track's actual name is 148, but it is called 147, and it is tagged that on all major digital things and on the official version that you get from it with Wrench. Um, and I'll tell you why, okay? So... It is named using the same convention as 82 and uh, 69 before it on previous albums and EPs. 147 refers to the tempo. It doesn't mean anything else. It doesn't carry any greater meaning than that. Although I did particularly enjoy the one person who suggested it might be the number of partners that I've had in the past. It's a bit high. It's a bit high. But thank you. It's just the tempo. What's more is that that's not even the tempo. It was called 148 because the tempo, technically, I don't think you'll be able to, I mean, I'm not, you're not going to be able to notice, but technically the tempo is 148. And on every piece of literature, on every um, document, on every page in my notebook, it was called 148. And then due to my own human error, for some reason, on the final, like, proof version of the track list that I gave to the graphic designer when they were making the artwork, I wrote it as 147. I guess because it, it rolls off the tongue better, I, d I don't know, 7 is more, you know, there's studies about how 7 pops into the head more, like, 7 and 3 and 5, you know? For whatever reason, I was uh, tired, I guess, at the time. I wrote 147 on the and signed off on it. I proof-read it, I double-checked it, and I signed off on 147, and that is what they printed. And the uh, artwork, if you own it, if you've seen it, um, it was it was done using a real like printing press. It was done using really nice, expensive paper. It was pressed on a real old-fashioned uh, typesetting machine. After all of that work, I was not about to tell them that I'd made a mistake uh, and that they needed to change it. Nope, 
I change the title. The cha- the title, if they printed 147, that's what the title is. And I went through and I changed all the tags and I changed everything before it went out. Um, and that's the official name now. <laughs> so there you go. It should be called 148, but it isn't. It's called 147 and that's entirely my fault. And I hope that Nick, who uh, did the printing, doesn't ever hear this. So now you've heard me talk about the process of making it, here is the full track 147 from the album 2215.
If you enjoyed this podcast and you liked the track, please consider buying it on iTunes. 2215, the album, is available worldwide on every digital store. It's also now on Spotify and Google Play uh, and Apple Music. And buying directly from hitwithwrench.com cuts out the middleman and makes sure the artist gets the biggest chunk of the proceeds.